Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. Um, <clears throat> obviously, you know, the, there's, there's heaviness happening. Everybody knows, mostly, most of you know what we're going through. My mom, I actually don't even need this today. Mom is pretty sick. Um, I'll give you an update. She is, uh, she's at home. We brought her home. She's resting comfortably. She's at peace, really, honestly. She's at, the, she's, she's had, she's experiencing the most peace she's had in, gosh, months. Um, so I'm thankful for that, right? <clears throat> and um, it is a bit counterintuitive because you know what Jesus paid for, but then again, you're looking at the reality of the situation and you're not trying to make judgments about yourself or about that person. And, and you kind of just get to a place where it's like, okay, it is what it is. And we know God's will and we know what's happening and whether they reconcile themselves or not, we know that there's hope, right? We know that there's freedom. We know that there is eternal life. And <clears throat> so I don't, I don't want there to be, I mean, I know that you love her. Most of you know her. You know, I mean, she's church mom, right? She's L, whatever you know her as. She's, she's just been a light in this place. And I'm talking like she's already gone, but it's just, it's just kind of weird, right? I, don't, I personally don't think that, we were engineered and, and created to emotionally process death and loss and failure and lack and all that stuff. I, I don't think we were. I think it, that's why it feels so foreign to us, right? Like God designed beings to experience life, not death. And so it just feels weird. Like the, like the types of emotions that we have, they're all geared toward life. And when you have one that's not, it, it's, it's wrong. It doesn't feel right, you know? I just don't think it's how God created it. Kind of like mosquitoes. I don't think they were created to, <laughs> you know, I mean, it was like bad. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, I, you know, we appreciate the love, and you've obviously seen me express and just kind of crack my heart open and pour this stuff out, and I, and I appreciate everybody going through this journey with us and all the love that's been poured out. But, uh, but you know, I mean, but I'm convinced God is good. Like, not one time have I sat here and said, well, this is not fair or why or any of that stuff, right? You know, we know, praise God, we know what we know about who God really is. There's a hope. God is good and he's only good. He gave us this planet. We messed it up. And when we experience this kind of stuff, it's the effects of what we've done to this planet. That's the bottom line. That really is the reality of the situation. And, and I don't try to get all tweaked out about it in the process. But I have had some conversations with people that have, you know, they're like, well, you know, before when I was so-and-so, insert denomination or just pre, pre, you know, before really being persuaded of this version, not version, but understanding God's true character, I guess before being awakened and understanding that God really is only good and understanding the dominion that mankind has over this planet, <clears throat> I've had conversations, even just this morning, Someone said, you know, before I would have sat and begged God to do something. Now I'm not even really sure how to pray. And I'm like, you know what? I appreciate that. 
because that means you're really seriously thinking about these kinds of things. You're really seriously taking the time to consider what is prayer? What are the effects of it? If someone in their heart makes a decision and you can't pray against that, well, how do you pray? And so I've been thinking about this, and, and this, is, this is just a super simple, quick illustration. You know, we can understand the things that we can't see by looking at the things that we can see. So it's kind of like that means heaven doesn't really operate that differently than here. You know, the physics may be, I, personally, I think the physics are the same. They're just not hindered with darkness and decay and all that type of stuff, you know. It's just life and higher resonant frequency that just perpetuates life rather than this death and these base frequencies. But anyway, I don't want to geek out over that. But So prayer, right? How do you pray? What is prayer? That's not even my message today, but it just seemed appropriate. Stacy came up and prayed for me, and I could feel, you know, thank you. It was, it, I could feel there's an energy, there's something happening. And, and, and a lot of times I don't think we even really know what's happening. You can Sometimes you feel it, sometimes you don't. But your heart comes into agreement with God, and the, and the effect, the manifestation happens, right? So I just have this little illustration of the TV. <clears throat> anybody, anybody not have a TV remote? Does anybody still have a TV where you got to stand up and go change the channel? Like turn it? Yeah, we grew up. We all grew up with those, right? But like, so prayer is like a remote, a TV remote. It's sitting there. You pick it up, and it's programmed to do a certain thing. It knows what to do. It's already encoded within it to do it. But you got to pick it up and push the button. Let's say you want to go to channel 27. You point it at the TV. You hit the button 27. It's in this. Something happens, right? The TV goes to the channel that it's supposed to go on, and then whatever is on that channel is then accessible, right? That's how prayer is. We don't see what is going out there and creating the effect, but just like that infrared invisible signal, prayer is energy. You speaking, life and death are in the power of the tongue. God spoke and the world came into existence. There is something that happens in the energetics of the way that God created this place to work, and quantum physics even verifies to us now that human observation affects the material world, prayer is like that. But you got to pick it up. You got to use that mouth. You got to push that button. The button is standing on God's word and speaking it out. You don't know how that infrared. You ever, have you ever put on uh, like night vision goggles and looked at a TV remote? Anybody ever done that? You should try it. It's pretty cool. You can see the beam come out of it. Wow. Some of them, you can actually see the beam come out of it, and some of them, just the, the, the little bulb at the end of the remote, you just see it blinking, but you see it. You can't see it with the naked eye, but you put the right lens on, and you see it. Now, whether you see it or not, it's doing something, right? That's prayer. That's why we pray, because you've got power in your mouth. You've got God in you, and when you speak, specifically if you believe it, all these things that we're learning now about the human heart and the human influence on reality, the created realm, there, it makes a difference. When you pray, it goes and it does something. Specifically, if you're praying in the spirit even, and you don't know what you're saying, your intellect gets out of the way and your heart, that, that place where authority sits, the authority over this created... I mean, Jesus, God said, I give dominion, over all the earth to mankind, go and subdue it. Doesn't mean forcefully go and make everything obey you. 
I mean, there may be some forceful things, you know, direct contact, tending the garden, all that type of stuff. But there's an energetic to existence that I think charismatic spiritual people kind of want to interact. But I think where Christianity is going is to a place where we operate on a different type of physics that is consistent with heaven and we see power, not some random, disconnected, trying to communicate with God and praying, and maybe he shows up over here and does something. No, it's kind of like his, his feed is coming from the broadcast station. Your feed is coming from you, and when the two meet, there's something that happens there, and it's in this earth that it happens. I'm not saying magic, and you can just make an ice cream cone appear in your hand, although you might could. I don't know. We'll see. But, you know, I, I think that's where we're going. I think we're going to a place where we understand how he created it, the authority that we have, the power that we have, his will, the fact that we can communicate and cooperate with him and, and see his kingdom. I, I fully believe that. I think that's probably how they got the idea of remote control, is understanding that there is there's something going, right? It's not magic. You don't push the button on the TV remote and then the TV does something. There is an actual connection. So it is with us. And the quantum uh, unified field theory is showing us too that there is no disconnection between, like there is some type of field that connects everything that information uh, like instantaneously travels through. You know, you can pray and it's powerful. I understand people saying, well, how do I pray? What should I pray? What does prayer, does prayer make a difference? Yes, but you better believe what you're praying. Then somebody else, you're, so how do I pray for other people? Well, that, that's the hard part because that person also has to be connecting to the same signal that God is sending and desiring the same, getting on that same wavelength, getting on that same thing. And if that person doesn't do that, there's not a whole lot you can do. Even Jesus experienced that. He went into his hometown and couldn't, couldn't, there was people that he couldn't, said he could do just a few miracles. You know, there was no feeding of 5,000. There was no whatever. It was just a couple of, you know, I don't know, a couple of sick folk, it said. Now, that's still impressive. However, that's the reality of the situation, right? And what gives that authority, what gives the fact that we have shared authority over the created realm as rulers and kings and priests in this earth is what Jesus accomplished over it and paid for. And so, you know, every week I come in and, and it's like this, the message ends up being an outgrowth of my just interaction with the Holy Spirit, really. And it's not like I'm sitting down and getting, you know, like I'm trying to, it's just, it's, it's organic, you know, it's, it's kind of like eating the fruit and just, I don't know, it's hard to put into words, right? But there's just this kind of ongoing flow. And I've learned to capture the process, the, the, like the, the informational process to be able to come in and communicate it. And so you get what I've been through each week. And obviously these past few weeks, it's been a pretty clear focus. But... It leads me to thinking how, how real spirit is, how real heaven is, how real God is, how real. And it wasn't that I questioned, but, but you know, you focus on something and that's what you, you know, it's like a seed. Even your thoughts, your thoughts are seeds. You plant them into something, they're going to grow into something. Be careful what you let yourself think about. 
I pray that you are choosing what you are thinking about. And I pray that what you are thinking is true. <clears throat> but so where my thoughts have been have just been on, on the, the kind of that eternal side of what Jesus has done. You know, it's very real for me what I went through, that hell is real. And I knew that I was going there. You know, I didn't grow up in the Christian home, really, not much Christian influence. I, I didn't get born again until later in my teens and really didn't even understand what happened until 20s. But I knew I was going to hell because I had had this experience and the demonic realm became real to me. In fact, that's where my belief in God came from. Well, if these things, if the devil is real, then God must be real. That's really how it was for me. But, I, but, but in my reality, it was too late for me. But then going through this process of getting to know Jesus and what he did, really just between me and him, became everything. And like it touched, it still does. So in other words, what Jesus did on that cross, what he did in the grave, not just dying for us to pay for our sins, but I mean the, like, like what was really going on there, the fact that he overcame the power of death, the fact that he erased the, the, the power, that, the, the effects of sin for you. And you can go to that channel and operate and experience that download, right? If we could see clearly with our spirit, we would see, man. It's, it's, there's nothing to be afraid of. There's nothing to be afraid of, especially if you know what Jesus did, right? And so, that, that, so this week, that was all where my thoughts are. And so I, I kind of want to walk through this progression of just a couple of passages um, and, and, and let it be a meditative exercise for you to be encouraged in Christ's victory on your behalf for whatever you're going through. So think about that for just a minute. You know, whatever it is that you're going through, Christ has gained the victory over it. Christ is powerful within you. He's delivered you. You are a child of God. <clears throat> so this, it might get a little bit deep, and I, you know, there's some people that disagree Imagine that with some of the doctrinal points, but whatever. Uh, so I'm going to start in Acts 2. Acts 2, you can, don't put it up just yet, please. But Acts 2 is, is um, you know, it's describing Pentecost, first Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was released and given. And they're praying in the Spirit, and they can understand each other, each in their own language, and it's a miracle. And so Peter, emboldened by the Holy Spirit, stands up and explains what's happening. Now, there's some important things to notice in this explanation, and it's something that I've been working on for a while. I actually have a book that I've been working on, Jesus in the Psalms, because Acts 2 sets a precedent. That is, David prophesies the words of the Messiah. That's the precedent. Peter explains it pretty clearly when he quotes Psalm 16, and then he, he clearly states, David died, but he's prophesying this, and what he's prophesying is the words of the Messiah. Specifically, the words of the Messiah in the grave. Not just on the cross, because contextually we'll see, and I know I'm getting technical on you, and you may not care about those details, but they're important. You'll definitely get something out of it either way. But toward the end of the Acts 2 passage, you see contextually it's after the resurrection. It's, it's, uh, it's, Resurrection is the context, not crucifixion. So if the context were on the cross, are you with me? Did I lose you? If the context were David 
prophesying the thoughts of Jesus, the Messiah, were, were on the cross, you'd use crucifixion language. But you're not. It's, it's grave language that's being used. Sheol, resurrection. We're talking about death things, not alive crucifixion things, all right? So when you seek to understand Scripture, you've got to build the whole context, look at the details that are made, the points that that person is communicating to understand the in-between points, all right? So let's go. This is Peter explaining what's happening. Now, for you, personalize what Jesus has done for you. You take it all the way down to having faced and defeated death on your behalf. For us, we don't die. We don't taste death. We just we transition. That spirit comes out, and I've been thinking about that, what that's like. You know, I was there for my dad and other people. I've been, I've been in the room several times when it happens. And, you know, I can't say that I've ever seen anything all that phenomenal, but you just know how amazing, right, that must be there. The, bot, the, the spirit coming out, you know, maybe even looking around and seeing and moving on, and it's just incredible. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm so looking forward to mom having that experience and, and just popping out and, whew, okay, here we go. So this is Peter talking about what empowers the fact that we don't have to be afraid of death, that it has no grip over us at all because of this. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. I mean, he's just, he's just not holding back. But God raised him from the dead. So we're, that's the context, freeing him from the agony of death. So death created agony for Jesus. With me? Uh, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Why? Because Jesus' faith was greater than the power of death. And what Jesus' faith was in was the promises that his father made to him that he would forever be a king and a priest after the order of Melchizedek, that he would sit at his right hand, that his enemies would be made his footstool. All of those promises Jesus held on to. All of those messianic psalms that you see of Jesus. And so you're going to get into Psalm 16 that Peter quotes, David wrote, prophesying about the Messiah. It's the mind of Christ that you're seeing. All right. God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony. Uh, so next one, please. David said about him, now he's quoting Psalm 16 here, which we're going to go read. I saw the Lord always before me. All right. Imagine your Messiah having died on that cross as you, having become the curse for you in the grave, holding faithful to what God had promised him. Now, this is as deep as it gets. This is, is one of the most probably controversial theological points that people can d debate. But I'm telling you, Jesus went into that grave. Let's just keep going. David, so David said about him, I saw the Lord always. And so the, these, are, these are the thoughts of the Messiah as he was going through what he went through for you. I saw the Lord, and, and, and you notice how he's encouraging himself. 
in the reality, in truth. I saw the Lord always before me. So this is an example for you. I'm sorry to stop and keep interrupting myself, but I just want you to grasp this. This is, this is an example for you, that Jesus is facing death and, and how he deals with it is encouraging himself in the Lord. I hope that you learn something that you can use. I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Interesting that you picked that song, Chris. Is Crystal in here? Did they leave? They probably left. But that, that, all, that happens so often. He didn't know that I was going to. Yeah. Therefore, my heart, still quoting Psalm 16. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. Now, different translations say Hades. Some say Sheol. Uh, Hades would have been the Greek understanding. Sheol would have been the Hebrew understanding. And what that is, is the realm of the dead, the abode of the wicked. So someone passes away now without Christ, they go into Hades, Sheol, the abode of the wicked, to await judgment. At a certain point, all of that is brought up. Everybody stands before the Father, and there is a final judgment, and those without Christ go into the lake of fire. So we're not talking about Jesus have gone and went into the lake of fire. Because you say, you know, you tell people Jesus went to hell because they don't know what you mean. They don't have the depth of understanding, the differences. People freak out. So the realm of the dead. So this is, this is David prophesying the Messiah. Peter's telling them what's happening. And he ties the fact that they are now experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit to, the, to, to what Jesus, the Messiah, accomplished, okay? It's all tied back to what Jesus accomplished in those three days. Having, all right, let's keep going. Because <clears throat> you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You won't leave me there. Uh, you will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Stay there for just a minute. Now, can you imagine being dead and holding on to that promise to the degree that your faith overrides the power of death? He did that. He did that. And that power and that faith is in you. You live by the faith of the Son of God. Faith made known to me the paths of life. Back to Peter describing. Fellows here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would, uh, that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah. Doesn't say he spoke of the crucifixion of the Messiah. So this point here wraps up the context that we're talking grave language. Sheol, resurrection. Are you with, do you see that? Otherwise it would be earth and crucifixion. That he was not abandoned. He wasn't left there, right? To the realm. It, it doesn't say he wasn't sent there. He wasn't abandoned there. In other words, he wasn't left there. These words are important. Nor did his body see decay. 
God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit. So now he's back to telling them, this is what's going on, guys. So to get them to the point of understanding that Jesus uh, received that Holy Spirit and now pours out that Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit that reached into the grave and, and, and resurrected Jesus, that's what's causing these people to pray and hear each other, and that's what's in you. It, it's an incredible discourse here of how he just encapsulates so much of the heart of David, the, what the Messiah was sent to do, what this power is and it's available and doing in the earth now. It, it's like, I don't know if it's just because of what I went through. I'm sure it is. But my brain defaults to these, this. Like when I think about Jesus, this is what I think about. What he did, what he went through, the power that he actually has. Uh, so he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven. So he's helping them understand. We're talking about the Messiah, even though we're using the words of David. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool, a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel, we are Israel because we are children by faith, be assured of this, God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. So, you know, that's what I was thinking about all week long, just so you know. All right, so the next verse here. I just wanted to read through Psalm 16 because it's just so powerful. And I pray that uh, this can be used for you because your Messiah, your Lord, went through something for you. And he gives you an example of how to defeat whatever it is that you defeated. And he even says things like, look, you can, be, you can stand faithful under persecution and under this world because Jesus faced the temptation to not follow through with what God wanted him to do, even though he was God. He resisted it to the point of shedding his blood. We read that last week in Hebrews 12. He's saying, if Jesus went through that, surely you can stand strong and through under whatever it is that you're going through. And it's not like, you know, remember that guy drove that cross up that hill for you? What's wrong with you? You know, it's not like he's using this to berate them for a lack of faith. This is an encouragement. Jesus went through this. Look at what he suffered for you. That empowers you to choose life and whatever it is that you're going through. This is Jesus again, Psalm 16. So, so Peter set an incredible precedent, making it very clear that David is prophesying the words of the Messiah. I say in the grave, I think the language supports that. But so, that, so, so here's really what I want your homework to be is take Psalm 16, read through it, and apply it to whatever it is that you're going through, good, bad, whatever, and use it as strength. Uh, keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones 
in whom is all my delight for the joy set before him. Jesus was thinking about people that he was dying for, you know. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. <laughs> you got good plans for me. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. Now, wait a minute. I thought I had an evil, wicked, dirty old sinner heart. This makes some people really upset. Commune with God. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. Can you say that? Not to, not to beat you up, but as an encouragement. It's possible. Not, 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 something, not a task that you have to fulfill. Well, I just want to desire and thirst after righteousness. I just want to always keep my eyes on the Lord. Well, do it. Uh, you know, I mean, like we, we have these defeatist mindsets of what we think that we are. This is a desire of his heart, a longing to interact with his father, not an obligation that he thought he had to fulfill, right? Here's what you got to do, brother. You got to keep your eyes on the Lord always. Oh, yeah, man, I'm not doing a really good job of that right now. Man, I keep forgetting to do that. Yeah, that's kind of where we go with it. It's like, no, 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 no. It's like, I, it's like I keep forgetting to look at the most beautiful sunset that has ever existed. It's kind of like that. It's like, of course I want to look at it, right? But we get distracted. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With Him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Amen? Amen. He is at your right hand. Therefore, my heart is glad, and, my, and now you are in Him, right? So there's this paradoxical, Jesus prayed, I pray that they're one, Father, with each other, as I'm one with you, and you're in me, and I'm in them, and you're in them. It's like he prays this unity, that, that these things are also true of you. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. This is where David quoted. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, Sheol, Hades, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You make known to me the path of life. Like, some people don't even believe that God wants to do that, make known the path of life. Now, think about this in Jesus' context. He's got to get out of Hades. He needs to know that path of life to get out of there. And it's trusting the Father. That makes people nervous, but I'm telling you, man, it, you know, I'm not trying to paint some weird picture that he had to figure out and how to get out. You know, I'm not saying that. Ultimately, when he was resurrected, he just, boom, he had victory over it, right? He gained the keys to, the, to death, hell, and the grave. Amen? So, but do you believe that in every situation, God will make known to you the path of life? You will fill me with your joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Forward church. <laughs> Which then leads me to this, and, the, and, the, and then this is just where, where I go with it to understand how it's relevant for us. And so Romans, and this is the last one, Romans 8, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Stay there. Why? Why? 
Because Jesus took all guilt. There is nothing left for God to hold against you. Right? There's so much that goes into a statement like this of what he went through for us. How dare you say that God is holding your sin against you? How dare you come and take communion and search for sin in your own heart as if you shouldn't take communion and celebrate him, his body and his blood? You don't understand that and you don't understand what makes that possible to be written and said and true. No condemnation. Does that mean you should continue in sin? Well, they asked Paul that, and he said, what? No, God forbid. Don't you know you're free from the power of sin under grace? What are you talking about? Why are you, that's weird that you'd go there with it. Like that's in the subtext of the Greece. That's weird that you... <laughs> Next verse. <clears throat> because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life. What is that? It's that thing that was in there raising Jesus from the dead, that law, that, that, that set in stone, eternal spirit of life sets you free from the law of sin and death. What is the law of sin and death? That is the wages of sin is death. He set you free from that law. Now, that doesn't mean that you can just live however you want. You don't reap the consequences. God is not mocked. You reap what you sow in this reality, in this carnal existence still. Did I finish that last one? For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And I don't mean we become charismatics and start giving each other personal words of prophecy. That's not what I'm talking about, living by the Spirit. I'm talking about living in a, in a, in a spiritual knowledge of understanding of what He did, who Jesus is, who God is, who we are in Him, informed by all of this incredible prophecy that tells us what he went through, what he earned and gained, and then experiencing the power of that spirit inside of us. Now, when you need it. And we're playing games like trying to make church about sin management. It's just weird to me, you know? I mean, of course sin is not okay. Let's make it about life. Let's make it about who we are in Him. Let's make it about this kingdom reality that we are invited into, that we are in, that if we just pick up that Holy Spirit remote and it affects things, you know, we, we, we grow up in who we are in Christ and represent Him well and, and, and live in that quality of life that He has for us because of who he, how powerful He is, and that's in you. You know, and, and so I just pray that you, that you just let the Holy Spirit enlighten that. You let the Holy Spirit water that for you and you gain insight and revelation personally for yourself, the power of the resurrection that is within you to live from, you know. I pray it's real for you. I pray it's powerful for you. I really do. Because it, it, it's, 
It saved my life. It, it helps me stay at peace. Stacy, is that for today? No? Okay. Sorry. I just, you know, I just want it, I want it to be real. I want, I want our life with God to be real. I want, I want our experience in his, in his power to transcend just carnality and physicality. In other words, just trying to do the right thing or who's right and who's wrong. I don't, I don't forget all that. God is true. That's what matters. And, and, and we can live in him. Strengthened by his joy. Do you know how to choose it? That's really what it comes down to. You know, so maybe in the coming weeks, maybe I'll lighten up a little bit. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, these deep things, you just got to gotta get them out of there, you know. They're, they're, to, to really understand, to really grasp and appreciate who Jesus is and what he's done. You know, I, I don't know that a large section of the Christian world has let that happen in them. Not that we're any better, but it just, I don't know, you know. Anyway. Amen. So take something for yourself. I, I pray you do. Take something for yourself. Read Psalm 16 this week and use it for transformation. Use it for comfort. Use it for encouragement. Use it as a challenge to yourself. Amen? All right. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much. All, all we can say is thank you. When we truly, properly understand you, all we can say is thank you. Like, all of our prayer is affected when we understand your heart toward us in what you went through for us. Father, I thank you that anytime we ever open our mouths to try to pray or we seek understanding for what's going on in this life, in our lives, and in the lives of our loved ones, I pray that we go to your heart of the deepest thing and the most difficult thing that you went through for us, and we, we see ourselves through the lens of what you went through, and it just answers a lot of questions for us. It erases a lot of confusion. It shapes how we pray. It shapes how we think. It shapes how we treat people, and it shapes how we think you see us just want i want my mind renewed by your spirit by the power of your spirit in full not just parts but the depth of your spirit the depth of your love for me working in my inner man bringing about transformation transfiguration to bring glory to your name Father, we trust you and we love you. Amen. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. And thank you to those of you who support Forward Ministries financially. You truly are changing the way the world sees God. You're helping people detox from performance-based religion and experience God's love for them. We're committed to helping you renew your mind so you'll experience transformation and move forward in every area of your life. I pray you're making this hard journey. Visit my website at clintbuyers.com for hundreds of free teachings and articles that will empower you to renew your mind and put on your eternal identity in Christ. I'm especially excited about my tools for transformation that have original music and modern technology. 
designed to help you slow down and connect with the Spirit of God in your heart. I'd like to invite you to partner with Forward Ministries. Help us continue to spread the gospel and develop resources that are empowering people to grow in their identity in Christ. Thank you again for joining me. I pray God's blessings and promises over you and your family today.